Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. If there was ever a morning to celebrate the goodness of God, it's right here, right now. It's a day of resurrection. The first and the last. I love that declaration. That God's love went first for us on Good Friday's cross. All of your sin and shame, your past, forever defeated. And at the empty tomb, it proves to us that God always gets the last word. Nothing's too far gone for Him to resurrect. And it gives us the promise of an eternal life with Him. Not just God's presence one day in eternity, but the ever-present help of God every single day. Good morning, Hillsong, Kansas City. Happy Easter Resurrection Sunday to you. Can we just celebrate Jesus? Are you grateful for a love that went first, for a God that cares, for an everlasting hope and the promise of His peace? What a good God we serve. Can we welcome those watching online right now, the Plaza location, Lansing Correctional Facility, our fourth location. Come on, let's say hello and happy Easter to them. Y'all looking good today. Looking real, real good. It's great to have you in church. If you're brand new to our church, I'm Kyle, and get the huge privilege to lead this church alongside with my lovely wife, Liz, and we're honored to have you here. We do believe God's got something really special for every single one of you. In fact, if you come and this is your 20th, 30th, 40th Easter, I still believe, because the depths of God's love know no end. He wants to reveal himself to you in a new way, in a special way, maybe even rekindle that first love passion for him in your heart. You made a great decision to come out to church or to tune into church. I believe as soon as you open your heart to him, he will speak to you in the most powerful way because that's what he does. It's what he loves to do. Do you believe that? Amen. Happy Easter. You can grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Phenomenal. As always, come on, as believers, it's the day of ultimate celebration because it's the day of ultimate victory. It's good to see some people back in church. In fact, let's celebrate those that have been back in church. First time back in church in probably a year since the shutdown. It's great to have you back in the house of God. Uh, I love Easter. It's, um, it's such a wonderful day. I get to see so many wonderful faces. And get to see all the beautiful pastels. I remember growing up uh, in church, my parents, I remember my mom would always, uh, I would always wear a tie on Easter. It's like the one time of the year. You got to look your best for Jesus. You never know. He might be coming back on Easter. You got to look good. Hairspray on the hair growing up because you can't have cowlicks on Jesus' big day. I remember going um, to the church I, I grew up going to that we, it's the only day of the year that we got candy at church. I was like, he is risen indeed. I do remember one year though where they gave us sugar-free candy. Now it's 2021. Sugar-free's come a long way. This is like 1986. Back then, it's a miracle that I'm still saved. It was such a testing of my faith. Uh, But it is what a beautiful day to celebrate. I also want to just welcome those that maybe you came along with a friend or maybe just tuning in. Um, And you probably have a... um, It's been a while since you've been in church if you've ever been in church even at all. Uh, And you might even carry with you a little bit more doubt than you have faith. You might even be on the fence when it comes to this man whose name is Jesus, but I just would say this. First and foremost, we're just glad that you're here and uh, you are among friends. I I think you're filled around a room and participating with a group of people who would say, my life's been forever changed by something that happened 2,000 years ago. And there was a turning point in my life where I made a decision for myself 
to receive the beautiful gift of God's grace and love. And my second hope for you is not only would you feel at home, but you just would open your heart, even just to the smallest of ways, not even for my words, but through my words, God's presence would speak to you right where you're at. And you will find that God is not distant. He is very close and cares so deeply about you. And he is wanting this day to be the day that he is destined for your reunion with the love that you were created to receive. Because God is so caring, so loving, and cares so deeply about you. In fact, with just that tone and that heart, would you join me in prayer? Even those online on the plaza, Lansing Correctional, let's just invite God to speak. You got it came, it came for a celebration. Maybe for some of you, it's a religious obligation. But what you do not know is that God prepared something special in his heart for your heart. That's who he is, and that's what he does. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this most glorious of days where we celebrate your glory, your greatness, and your love. We thank you for the cross. Without it, we would still be separated from you. We thank you for the empty tomb, which gives us the promise of things still yet to come. And we thank you for your divine presence speaking to all of our hearts. Let every single person here, believer or those searching for faith, find you at a deeper level because you are such a good God and there's so much more that you have in store for every single heart. So we just want to take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. By your cross and by your love, you have saved us and secured us. And we now give you our time, our attention, and our praise. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. We know growing up um, in church, I I knew the Easter story. We all know the Easter story. On Good Friday's cross, Jesus paid the price, the empty tomb, Jesus coming again. And we like to simplify things at Hillsong, Kansas City, as much as we can. In fact, eight, nine years ago, our church globally uh, just said, hey, how can we sum up Easter as easily and as understandably as possible? And we just wanted people to know that the cross, this religious symbol of our faith, the cross equals love. That if all you ever get is just understanding that God loves you. But today we're going to attempt some algebra, which is difficult for me because I'm from Oklahoma. Um, We're going to reverse the equation because I want you to know why the cross. It's because love, the love of God was so great, he had to make a way to that which he cares about the most. I'm not talking about all of humanity, though. God loves everyone. I'm actually speaking directly to you. Because he loved, there had to be a cross. There needed to be a way where he could break down the barrier of our sin and connect to his desire. You are God's desire. He cares. He did that, the cross. The Bible says he would do it just for one, which means he would do it just for you. The cross equals love, and love equals the cross. Love went first. While we were still far from God, Jesus went first. While we were so distant, unable to save ourselves, God went ahead and went first. Everything he did, he did it for you. Oh, which reminds me of a song. Um, growing up, uh, super Christian, my parents are pastors and missionaries. I'm not a super Christian. We just went to church every day that ended in day. And... <laughs> There was two types of music. Um, there was, uh, even though we're from Oklahoma, it wasn't country and western. Um, my parents actually, my mom's from Detroit, so we listened to to Motown. 
uh, what they didn't know that I now know is those songs were still about drugs and sex. They just hit it more. But there was Christian music and secular music. And we always elongated the S because it was filled with Satan, the serpent. You could not listen to what I would now refer to as good music. We had to listen to Christian music. But I remember in my little ginger, rebellious ways, um, when I was about eight or nine years old, uh, me and my sister had our first secular song. Uh, it was a cassette tape, just to let you know. How many of y'all remember the cassette tape? It was a single. It was from uh, the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack. I mean, real bad music. <laughs> if you remember, it was the original, the original Justin Bieber, the Canadian heartthrob, Brian Adams had a song, everything I do, I do it for you. I'd like to read a few of the lyrics, not found in the scripture, but you'll see it's pretty close to a worship song if there was ever one written. It says this, search your heart, search your soul. And when you find me there, you'll search no more. Don't tell me it's not worth trying for. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. And if you love your pastor and you know this song, why don't you sing along? You know it's true. Everything I do, come on, I do it for you. Now we're all going to hell. We just sang secular music. It's over. We ruined it. The everything God has ever done, the cross, he did that for you. He did that for you. And as the power ballad crescendos at the end of that song, I hope that you would have a revelation for yourself, not your family's faith, not your parents' faith, not a worn out religious faith, but an authentic faith that understands the great price that was paid. God so loved, the love of God equaled the cross so that when we looked at the cross, we could then receive this love of God. Love went first. God did it for you. But the Bible also says God did it for himself. In fact, it says in Hebrews 12, Jesus could see past the pain of the cross. He says he, he, he endured the, the worst death imaginable so that he could have the greatest joy uncomprehensible to us. He would look through the death of the cross and he would see us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He loved you so deeply that he, he willingly said yes to death so that you could say yes to the life that God has for you. And the Old Testament actually says that God, he reveals about himself, he says, I'm a, I'm a jealous God. Now, when we think jealous, we think envious, but the Hebrew word that, G, that God uses to reveal himself as a jealous God actually means fanatical. It, it means zealous. It means possessive. In other words, I desire you. I, I'm after you. Not that any of us could do anything to add to God, but he desires us because he's made you and created you as a recipient of a love that who, it's who he is and it's what he does. A love so great he could not keep it to himself. He desired you. He wanted you even when you never did anything good or couldn't do anything for him, but he wanted you as someone for him to love. It's hard for us to comprehend that because we have an economy to our love. Here on the earth, we 
we, we love because we receive. Uh, we, we get a feeling. We, 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 we get attention. Uh, we, we, we even sacrifice so that we can get something for ourselves. We love based upon how it makes us feel or what it does for us. Now, this, this changes, and all the parents out here would understand. It changes the moment you have your firstborn. Um, in fact, I always tell my pastor friends when they're about ready to have their firstborn, I'm like, man, your preaching is about ready to get so much better. Uh, number one, you're going to have your kids to use as examples all the time. And secondly, you're going to get a little bit of a taste of the love of God. It's something you don't know until you have a child of your own. Uh, I remember nearly 10 years ago, uh, Liz gave birth to our, our beautiful firstborn, uh, Blair. Uh, I remember when Graham, uh, my firstborn, my only son, when he, was, when he was born, man, I just, I loved him immediately. I could not explain the affection that I had for this little guy that I just met. And then just over, just over a year ago when our El Golden, our, our Goldie girl was born. First day at stay at home, first day at lockdown, she was born. And man, I was a wreck. Um, I, I, I was weeping, but tears of joy. And I just loved her already so very much. They couldn't do anything for me. I mean, all they really could do was cry. They needed everything from us. They couldn't add anything, naturally speaking, to us, but my affection could not have been greater. Why did I love them? Well, I loved them because, well, I, I made them. Well, the easy part, the fun part. <laughs> Liz did all the work. <laughs> Lighten up, it's Easter, okay? Have a laugh. And yes, it is like this every Sunday usually worse. And it's because they were mine. There was a part of my DNA that was now living and breathing right in front of me. Let me remind you, you're a child of God. You, you weren't just happened out of accident. And maybe even your parents failed when it came to the love, the attention and nurture category. Uh, we all do to some extent. But where man's love is lacking, God's love is flawless. You're a child of God, designed by God, created by God. Before time began, God knew you and he made you. And he desired you to be a recipient of a love that knows no end. God had to have you so much that he went all in ahead of time to show you and demonstrate his love for you. Love went first. That's because love equals the cross so that the cross can equal us connecting with the love of God. It says that in 1 John verse 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Maybe coming out of 2020 and all of your ex-Facebook friends and posts, maybe we should say, let's start loving one another. For love comes from God and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. And here's the best part. For God, if I could describe him, John says, I want you to know what God's like. God is love. Yes, God's all powerful. And yes, God created before anything. Time and space, it all started in him and all came out through him. But if I could sum up who God is in a single word, I got four letters. It's L-O-V-E. God is love. 
It's not just a love that he talks about. It's a love that he shows. God showed how much he loved us. Go ahead and just receive that for yourself. God's already shown how much he loves you by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us first. Love went first and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And verse 17 says, and we live in God. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So that we not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we now live like Jesus here in this world. In other words, in the perspective of God, he sees you as his perfect son or perfect daughter. Such love has no fear because God's perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, is for fear of punishments. And this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love of God. And I do believe there's some believers in the house today that you've already said yes to Jesus, but you still have your life being riddled by fear and anxiety. And I believe you're going to have an encounter with the perfected love of Jesus Christ. And that's going to start changing. God might take you on a journey. He might do it in a moment, but what he's always faithful to complete what he starts when you fully experience his perfect love, it expels out all fear. We love each other. Why? Because he loved us first. Fear has been a major factor in our world the last 12, 15, 16 months. Separation, isolation has been the norm. If you're carrying fear, I believe you're going to have an encounter with God's love. If you're feeling alone or isolated, I want to reveal to you, you are never alone. God's love is always there. It went ahead and went first, so you would never have to live apart. No matter how you've acted or behaved, God's went ahead and says, I'm still going to love you fully because God is love. This is how he showed us love is that Jesus took a cross. Because anyone can say, I love you, but to show it. Uh, That takes some character. That takes some sacrifice. That takes some commitment. It takes more than words. It takes action. In fact, real love, real love will risk rejection. That's why God doesn't force it upon us. He gives us the opportunity to say yes to it. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But we have to respond to it because real love risks rejection. I I remember the first time I I I tried to escape the friend zone with Liz. It's a treacherous process. And I remember um, we, we were, my dad actually kind of set up this, he's very sneaky. And we were on this like youth uh, trip together, co-leading, um, co-laborers in Christ. We're super saved. <laughs> By the way, find your girl in church, guys. And I remember like the trip was coming to an end. She lived in a different city than I lived into. And I just felt like, man, I need to, I need to shoot this shot coming in hot. And... <laughs> I was like, for whatever reason, I was like 24, 25 years old, but I went through puberty all in that moment again. I was like, oh, Liz, would you like to? Can we maybe hang out and get a soda? You know, I was like, it was awkward. But I went face to face, and victory was mine. (laughs) Dumb, stop. Got her. And... Why I understand the online experience this day. It's just something different about face-to-face than swipe right, you know? Like anyone, that's easy. That's your relationship. Respect it, honor it. It's great. Didn't cost you anything. Um, But man, back in the day, you got to go face-to-face. That's exactly what God did through Jesus. 
He didn't love at a distance. He went first. Through Christ, he came in the flesh, the incarnate word of God. Love showed up and made its dwelling among us, understands us, knows what it's like to have the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, to face face the rejection, to look fear in the face. Love came and looked at us face to face and in all of our mistakes and misery still chose to love us fully. It had a cost to it. See, the language of God is love. It's his native tongue. And the highest form of love is sacrifice. That's the cross. It's a love that goes ahead. It's a love that goes first. It's a love that still comes after you, after all these years. And guess what? You didn't find God. He found you. He has been looking for you from the very beginning. You didn't find your way to church. God brought you here. You might have randomly said yes or tuned in online. But this is all a part of the divine plan for God's love to capture your heart right where you're at. In fact, everything we do is a response to what God's already done. We love because he's first loved us. We receive the gift of grace because he's already forgiven us. We have to receive it. In fact, this amazing team at Hillsong, Kansas City. Can we thank the worship team, the Hillsong Kids team, the greeters, the production, those that clean up, those that set up the chairs. None of them have to do this. Like, I'm the only one that has to show up today. But they wanted to. Some of them on the plaza are serving three full services today. It's because they responded to a love. It changed them. They serve because they understand they've been served. We worship. In fact, if you're brand new to our church, you know we worship with a little bit of passion because we're passionate about the love of God. Because we feel like we were reached with such passion from God, we want to give him our passionate praise. We give to help the hurting and the needy all around, to to expand the mission of Jesus through the local church. Why? We don't have to do that. We want to do that in response because he went first and has done everything for us. God is love, John writes. And in the Greek language, there's actually six words that the Greeks would use for, for love, and four of them show up in our New Testament. We just say love. Love is love. It's, it's one, we have one word. You could love you, you know, your car, and you could say, I love my spouse. Some of you um, maybe love your car more than your spouse. We're doing a marriage series very soon. We hope to see you there front row. But to say God is love, there's just different words. There's eros, which is sensual, intimate love. There's storge, which is like a family bond, the kind of love that a family has for each other. There's phileo, which is like friendship, like your, your best friend, your play cousin, like that's your squad. You've got that friend. And then there's one that's reserved only for God. And this is the one that John uses. He says this is this thing called agape love. And it's a complete love. It's a perfect love because your friend might disown you. And your family, there might be some tension and some toxicity. And even in your romantic relationship, maybe the sparks can die out after the honeymoon year. And yet there's this love that doesn't quit. There's love that's always there. It's a love that keeps going. It's a love that shows up first. It's agape love. It's unconditional love. It's unconditional love. And it's a love so perfect, only a perfect one could give it. And when he says God is love, he says God is agape. God is this perfect love. And guess what? God's love for you is not based upon performance. God doesn't validate based upon how people validate. 
People will value or love based off of a payoff or a feel. No, God loves based on position and possession that he's already called you loved and loves you as a son and daughter, even if you haven't received him as your perfect heavenly father yet. Such love, it says, that you can have no fear when you experience this love. Any fear you have is because you're, you're thinking about punishment, the, the risk-reward in a relationship. And if you're thinking that way, you haven't fully experienced this agape love of God. So just how much does God love you? What does this agape look like? What's this unconditional love look like? Well, it looks like a cross. And that which, if you begin to really investigate the cross, it's a journey that begins to investigate you. And you'll find in the inside of you, God created you awesome, amazing, gifted, talented, perfect in his sight, and yet missing something. There's something every one of us was made, although you're complete right now, you're incomplete in here And that's because God actually created every single one of his children with this vacuum in their heart and their soul that only his agape love can fill. And people try to fill this all sorts of different ways by working for the approval, the attention of others, romantic relationships. Uh, They they try to fill it with with career success. Try to fill it. Sometimes people go to extremes, try to fill it with addictions because it's just an itch that you know needs to be scratched because the Bible says that God actually placed eternity in your heart. You know that you need something that lasts forever and you're looking for it sometimes in the temporal things of this earth only hopefully to bring you to a point, maybe even today, where you'll receive the one thing, the master key that only fits in that place and space in your heart, in your life, and it's the love of your God that knows no end for you. How much does God love you? The apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter three, this is to his church, people that he loved. He risked so much to reach with the gospel. And he says, man, I'm praying. Hey church, I I want you to know I'm praying. I'm believing. I'm contending that you would grasp that you'd get a hold of this love. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? I like how one translation puts it. It says, may be able to feel and understand. Can you feel it? And then maybe you can understand it. And, and then it says at the end, to experience it for yourself. See, some of the rational thinkers in the room watching online, um, you, you just don't quite figure it out. You can't quite put it all together. But there is something about you. You have feelings. God made you that way. And when, and when you're trying to get that feeling filled with anything other than what was created by God to fill that place, his agape, unconditional love for you. Uh, It won't always make sense, but when you begin to feel it, then you'll begin to understand it. Then you can begin to experience it. And Paul's praying says, I hope that you just get a hold of how, how unbelievably expansive this love of Jesus is for you, because ultimately this is what will change you. This is what will change you for forever. I got a couple thoughts for you about how much God loves you. Number one, he loves you wide enough to include everyone. This is for everyone. Psalms 145, the Lord is loving towards all he has made. The scripture every one of us know in here, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Every single inhabitant of humanity he loved. God never made a person that he didn't love. This is the key to your worth, by the way. 
If you're always in attention of trying to please people around you to gain affection or affirmation, it's because you're missing that part of you that no one else can fulfill but the love of God because God loves you. You don't have to prove yourself worth to anyone. I don't know about you, but this is just relaxing. That I can just be who I'm called to be as Christ in me creates a brand new reality. As I'm becoming more like him, I can't step into that destiny and journey when I don't have that love at work within me. It's a love that's for everyone. It's a love long enough to last forever. It's not fleeting. It's not like the eros, intimate, sensual love that where there's sparks based upon outward appearance. This is based upon God appearing in the flesh to love us personally. Jeremiah 31, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Psalm 69 says, God's love will last for all time. Human love, our love wears out. It's got to be rekindled. It's got to be renewed, but not agape love. No, no, no. Agape love is a patient love, a persistent love. It's a persevering love. God will never love you more than he loves you right now. God will never love you less than he loves you right now. It's who he is. God is love. It's a love high enough and far enough to be everywhere. Paul again writes Romans 8, neither heights nor depth nor anything else. We just include everything and all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no place you can go that God's love isn't. No deep valley of regret. No hidden place of shame. No broken place of addiction. No place of betrayal. He's in your highest of highs on your great days of victory. He's in your lowest lows of days when you're taking the L. He's with you in every single peak and valley. His love is everywhere and it finds you right where you're at. Because many of us have achieved some things that we desired only to realize that the desire wasn't fulfilled. Because we've gained the thing that maybe someone else wanted or we thought that we wanted. We climbed the corporate ladder only to find that we're just as empty as we were at the bottom because we haven't received the only thing that can satisfy your soul. That's the love, the agape love of God. He's with you in your brokenness. He's with you with your best days and your, and your worst days. And it's a love deep enough to meet your needs, your real needs. We think we need all sorts of things to fulfill us, but the truth is the only thing that fulfills and satisfies your soul is the love of God. David says in Psalms 40, my only hope, God, all I got left is your love. For my problems are too big for me to solve and they are piled over my head. How many maybe feel like that? You don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest. That the, the problems in life seem too great for you to solve. You've got more issues than you have solutions. You got more questions than you've got answers. You got more bills than you got cash. Like you just got problems that don't seem to go away. And the weight of the world is grown heavier by the day. But David declares something that you can declare that my only hope and all that I need is your love. And if I have your love, I've got everything I need to succeed in the destiny and the purpose that you positioned me for here on the earth. God's love is not shallow. It's profound. No matter what's your problem, there's a deeper love for you. Deeper than your problem, deeper than your deep despair.
deeper than your emotional struggles, deeper than your physical problems, because God only loves you, also heals and restores. It's deeper than your dilemmas. It's deeper than your childhood pain. It's deeper than the uncertainty of tomorrow. He can fulfill and meet your needs. He's the only one that can. And this love went first. God, Paul says, I I want you to understand this love of God. He says it's in Christ Jesus. In other words, the only way you can access it is through Jesus Christ. And he says it's the, the, the height. And I want you to know the depth. And I want you to know the the, the, the width and I want you to know the, the length knowingly or unknowingly Paul paints a perfect picture of what the love looks like love of God he says it's, it's high and it's wide it's got depth it's got length it's got height it's got it all Paul is painting a picture of what love looks like he says it looks like a cross it's everywhere and anywhere you find yourself it's right there and God has positioned you somewhere in time space on purpose with an amazing plan, but the only way you'll ever fulfill that satisfied place of your soul, the only way you'll experience with that which he created for you is to experience the love of the one who made you. It's just like my kids, when they were born, I loved them. Before you were ever born, God already says, I'm going to choose ahead of time. My love goes first. I'm going to love them right where they're at. Love equals the cross, and the cross equals love. If you ask Jesus how much he loves you, He'll point to the cross. He loved you enough to endure it. He went first so you could follow with him into the loving arms of God. I've got nine realities of what love already did for you. I know what you're thinking. I'll be done in just a moment. Like Kyle, I've heard you preach before. Nine points. It's going to be nine hours. I promise you it will not be. But I wonder if there's a one, two, three, all nine that you might need to receive today. I'm speaking to believers right now parts of your life where you're still riddled with anxiety, still wonder where your provision is going to come from, still wondering if you matter or are worth much to God or to anybody else. These are nine realities of what Jesus has already done on the cross. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. You're forgiven. In that area you haven't forgiven yourself, God already has. The only one who could keep record of wrongs where it matters has already let you go. Jesus was wounded so that you might be healed. There's healing and restoration for both mind, body, and soul in Jesus Christ. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness so that we can be made right by his righteousness. You can be right with God. Jesus tasted death so that we might share in his life. Jesus was made a curse so that you might receive the blessing of God. Jesus endured our poverty on the earth and brokenness that we might share in his abundance and completeness. Jesus bore our shame that we can now share in his glory. Jesus endured rejection, even our rejection, that we might now have acceptance with our heavenly father. And Jesus was cut off for a moment on Good Friday's cross that we might be joined forever to the love of our father. I've got a 10th bonus one for you because it's Easter eggs. Special treats within the tree. You got to choose it for yourself. This is a perfect love, a complete love, but he doesn't force his love on you. In this way, God is a gentleman. He offers all that he is in the outreaching of the cross, but he says, this is something you've got to decide for yourself. And for some of you, it's time to come back home to the complete love only found through the Christ, the cross of Christ and the love of your heavenly father.
God went ahead and said, I'll go first. He says in Romans, at just the right time. At just the right time. While we were still powerless, we couldn't save ourselves. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would a person die for a righteous person. Maybe for a good, uh, unrighteous person. Maybe you die for a, a good person. But God wanted to demonstrate his own love for us in this. The story of Calvary's cross. The story of Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went first. And there's a response to you. Those have never said yes to the grace of your loving God. Those that have wandered off and been doing their own thing. Those who have tried to fill the void. You have an understanding of Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. What you have there, friend, is a taste of religion, which left a bitter taste in Jesus' mouth. Jesus so desired a relationship with you. It is not based upon your performance or your perfection. It's based upon what he completed at the cross. And this is for everyone. There's a love that went first. Would you stand to your feet, wherever you're watching, wherever you're at? I want to pray for you. Then we just take a moment to worship. And in this moment of worship, listen, listen, listen. I want you to reflect on where you are in receiving this perfect love of God. What do you really believe about the cross? Can you feel God's love speaking to your heart? If you'd be open just a little bit, I believe God will take that moment to confirm his love in a personal way inside your inner world. And then in a moment, we're going to pray together as one big family of faith. And we believe that lost sons and daughters are coming home, not to religion, but to the love of God. And we believe that those that have wandered off are working their way back to God. In fact, he's already chased you down because it's a love that doesn't give up on you. And we're going to surrender our yesterday and receive the love of God today and walk into a big, beautiful destiny that God has prepared for every single one of us. Can I pray for you before we praise? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to touch every heart in a personal way. You personally care about every single one. I do not know their name, but you know them completely. You designed them and created them before time even began. You were knitting them together. Maybe they face rejection and heartache in this world, but they've never received the acceptance of their Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart. You would speak to them and that they would come home, come alive to the greatest love of all. You went for us while we were still sinners. You died for us. And so, Jesus, we thank you as you investigate us. Would you push us not out of the way, but pull us closer and closer to this agape, this unconditional love 